0: We started off a little bit with, uh, in a scripture reading, talking about by faith. Did you guys do those little ticks? How many? By faith, by faith, by faith. Sometimes we call that the hall of faith. We look back at it and go, wow. That was, you know, you just covered the Old Testament in 30 basic verses. That's amazing when you look at it. It's a great summary. Um, but I want to kind of go jump back on, on verse 28, start there. So Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 28, By faith he, Moses, kept the Passover and sprinkling of the blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as though they were passing through dry land. And the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient, after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. And others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom this world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all of these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Now, to me, that's an amazing passage. When you look at, this is the background that we start with. And let's face it, I mean, we're talking about the hall of faith. That's kind of intimidating. When you look at it and say, My name's not going to be in that ever, right? Well, is it? Because if you look back in, you know, who has been in your life, who would you say are members of that Hall of Faith that are in your life? Who are you becoming a person of Hall of Faith virtue or standard for? Because that's not a pillar to look up and say, oh, hey, look, that's the names. No, that's a pillar that we look back and say, they've already done it. We did a little trip to DC, and then we watched uh, what was that? Um, Captain America Two, and it's it's set in DC. And Reagan's sitting next to us. She goes, "Been there, done that. Been there, been there, done that." And, and what we can do is sit down with people who've been there and done that in this hall of faith. They're what's behind us. They're what also encourage us. And strengthen us. We can look at these stories and go, yeah, I don't have it as bad as Job. Yeah. Anybody here? Yeah, everybody's suffering from allergies, right? Just raise your hand if you're not suffering from allergies. Just so you can stand up on a battlefield and be drawn <laughs> as a target, right? right? All the rest of it, do we have boils all over our whole body? Are we just lose everything and everybody? Nope. Looking pretty good, isn't it? Suddenly it's like, yeah, it's a bright, sunny day out. Okay. we, You know, we start that, that hall of faith puts things in perspective for us. And what I want to do is is think about this in terms of how do we handle it? Because I I was testifying in Columbus uh, end of last year about how Christians are mocked and are marginalized. And wouldn't you know it, one of the state reps started in mocking right off the bat. I thought they just can't help it. By their very nature, they start mocking. So how does that compare, though, with mockings and scourging and beating and being sawn in two and destroyed? And, you know, I, it's like, nope. Yeah, I can be mocked. You can be laughed at. You, you know, that's a, that's a little badge, isn't it? That's like the little, you know, the little bitty badge. It's not one of the big shiny ones. There's no scars with that. Just a little badge. But you can start to say, we can do this. We can push through these things. Um, Now, I say that to say when you think about mocking or shame at work or at school with friends and family, or does it compare to what we just read? Think about that. Does it compare? You know, I'm kind of joking around. No scars, right? Yeah, you might get irritated, and Regina you knows. I come home. I'm like, oh, I can't believe she said that. All right, I'm crumbling. Really? They really compare? If we start talking about what are mockings compared to scourgings being sawn into, two? Um, Nero would what? Or not Nero? Um, one of the Roman emperors would play uh, the fiddle and such, and they talked about the, the the screaming fires because they would light the Christians on fire and they would die burning alive. Okay. Nope doing pretty well right now, aren't we? When all you're doing is talking about suffering some mockings to stand up for Christ. When you start to keep those things in mind, it puts things in perspective. Um, that's what I want to talk to us about a little bit. Some perspective. Now, the reason I focused on chapter 11 is because when you look at chapter 12, what does it start with? Therefore. Right? So writer of Hebrews is saying, I'm telling you this so I can explain this to you, right? If there's a therefore, you, what's the therefore? What, the, why is it therefore, right? You want to look at it. What's the wherefore, therefore? Let's go back. Now we know this is what was done. Why is it relevant to us? The perspective is this. As we look at chapter 12, and I'm going to focus on verses 1 through 3, and then 12 through 13, or 12 and 13. The reason for that is, previously I spoke on God's discipline and love. And I should say it as God's love through discipline, which continues in the other verses there. So I'm not going to go back into that. But the therefore is this. We have a cloud of witnesses around us. How many of you guys use the cloud? I, I have my phone. I have everything backed up to the cloud now, right? right that's, that's, our, that's our backup. So that if this thing, somebody steals this, it breaks, it falls in the water, it's backed up and I'm good to go because all my stuff's backed up in the cloud, right? Writer Hebrews says, You have a cloud of witnesses. They're our backup. Have you thought about that? that? They're out there. They're ready to back us up. Does that mean that I'm gonna, I, can, I can pray to one of them? No. Does that mean I'm going to go out and go sit down and talk to one of them? No. But you know what? I can open up the book and sit down and go, Lord, I'm, I'm lost here. I'm, I'm struggling. Oh. Let me go to this. And guess what? I can read about these various stories that are more than stories, more than moral stories. They're actual truth given by God through men to encourage us, to teach us, to help us to strive. Now, one of the things, and there's a a terminology in here, that part of what these witnesses do for us is they actually pass the baton to us. Have you thought about that? Paul does a lot of writing, and he talks very physically oriented, very race oriented. He's kind of that man's man in, in, in sports, right? If you look at what his writing is, he does a lot of sports analogies. And this terminology here is very similar to that. What it does is it says, these witnesses have passed on to us. They have passed the baton to us. Now it is our turn to run. And you know where they are? They're in the gallery. That's what that cloud means. They're standing over on the side, now cheering us on, going, run, go. It is time for you to stand up and go forward. That's easy to say until you have to do it. What happens when you run up against somebody and they're ready to slam you? They're ready to cut you off at the knees because of what you're going to do. Suddenly it gets real. It's like, whoa, hey, that's fine, I can help you. But just don't put me in the center of it, right? It's true, isn't it? I mean, it's always easy to help somebody else. But when it's us in the front lines, now it's a different story. So then we start feeling real personal. I had two interviews I did this week that were, whew, I was nervous. Especially one of them I thought I was getting ambushed. And I'm coming up against a law professor I'm supposed to debate. And I'm going, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not ready for this. It went fantastic. He ended up becoming a friend. We very much disagreed, but we had a great conversation, and I was reminded of Acts, where it says, "You don't have to prepare your words; He'll give them to you at that time." Does that mean I prepared and thought ahead? Yeah, but you know what? God gave me the words at that time to speak. So much so that I did an interview on Seven Hundred WLW this week, and. All I kept thinking of is, what if I stumble, what if I fall? You know, what if I get on there and make fools of us all? It's a song I enjoyed for many years, and it's one of those ones you just kind of... What happens if I help set the effort for marriage back 10 years or 20 years or 50 years? Chuck Swindoll was talking about this in a different form. He said... When it comes to stepping out for Christ, are you being lit on fire? Are you being drug out of your home where you have to, even as the early Christians would do, everybody sees a little fish symbol, right? We put them on the backs of cars. It's, it's, you know why that symbol is out there? Because one Christian would walk up and draw a half circle in the sun in, in the sand. The other one would draw the other half of the fish. Now, I'm not going to go into the whole background on why they use ekdose, which is terminology for recognizing that God is Jesus and Lord and Son and Savior. But that's how bad it was. They couldn't put it on the back of their chariot or have a tag or a tattoo because they'd be hauled off to jail. And yet at times when we have to stand up and just say, I, I represent Christ, you might be laughed at or a little bit of disagreement. How much more is it to step up and say something? Are there things that we're missing or opportunities we're missing? Because we have the ultimate backup. Not just the witnesses. We have God. We have the Holy Spirit inside to give us the words to say in these situations. If we look at verses 1 through 3 here, I want to really focus on what he says, because um, the writer is talking about a race, and he's talking about how we move forward. And in so doing, what I want to look at is, start with Hebrews chapter 12, please. I'm going to read just the first couple of verses here. It says, therefore. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Heavenly Father, as we look at this scripture today, the scriptures we have just looked at, and the history that you have given to us, I ask that you would strengthen us, prepare us to do your will. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Unpack that a little bit. Hinders is often overlooked. Okay? Now, unless you're in the military, right? Right? Most runners don't go out and take a 90-pound rucksack with them, do they? We watched the Boston Marathon just recently, right? Those runners are wearing the lightest pair of shoes, the lightest pair of socks, some shorts, and the lightest tee. And even the little documents that they have on them are the lightest that they can make them, right? So they're not wearing them down. They're not hindering them. That's the concept. Would you take a four-by-eight sheet of plywood and try to run with it? Right? Those of us who've done those, what happens? The wind catches you, and the next thing you know, you're like, I need some help here. Would you run with that? What is there in your life that is preventing you from running with perseverance? Now, this may not be something that's necessarily sinful, but it's something that hinders us. It may be preferences for certain things, or actions, or attitudes. Oftentimes, we'll just excuse them all. I just I, I, This is just how I like it. This is just, you know what? That is something hindering. Because when we have something that is holding us back, stopping us from running at the best of our ability to run the perseverance, run the race, that's a hindrance. We need to recognize it as such, and I'll encourage you on this, ask the Holy Spirit to show you if there's something hindering. Be ready for an answer. Because you'll get the answer. You may not like it, but you'll get the answer. The second part of that is entangling sin. Now, I'm gonna date myself here. I grew up with a story of Briar Rabbit. All right? It's not Briar. It's Brer. Right? It's a nice southern southern story. Brer Rabbit, Brer Fox, Brer Bear. And if you know anything about Brer Rabbit or Brer Fox and Brer Bear, they can't catch Brer Rabbit, can they? Because rabbit's too fast. So they get this idea one day. They say, you know what? We're going to set this little, little tar baby here. And guess what? Bear Rabbit's got an anger issue. He comes by and says, Morning, sir. And off he goes. And that little tar baby, just a pile of tar with some clothes on it, doesn't say anything. Well, Bear Rabbit's kind of offended at that. And he turns around and says, Are you going to talk to me? And of course, our baby can't say anything, right? So, what happens? At some point, Rabbit starts to push on him. Hey, you're grabbing me. And he starts getting mad. And the more he fights, what happens? The more tar he gets on him. Now, anybody who dealt with tar? I'm a, you can get tar, on, and you better have old clothes and old shoes because they're done. If you get tar on you, you are stuck in it. It is holding you fast, which is Kind of the moral of the story when Brer, or Br'er Bear and Br'er Fox show up, right? Guess who just got the rabbit? Because rabbit couldn't get away from that entangling sin. That's what sin is like. Now, usually everybody you know asked to close your eyes at the end of it. What I'd ask you to do is close your eyes right now. Picture your spiritual self. Think in terms of those entangling sins, the sins that we mess with that are like tar that get on us. Think about how entangled we are with those sins and the marks that they leave on us. So think about that for confession purposes. Think about those in terms of not only the hindrances, but also... From there, we go into the sins. Now, having worked with tar quite a bit, I can tell you, it takes a lot to get it off. And I'll tell you one thing: it's mineral spirits and everything else. Do not go to the restroom, ever. (laughs) You do not want to have to put the mineral spirits there. It is, trust me on that. I can tell you that I am very glad that the blood of Christ, which washes away our sins... Is nowhere near anything like that. And let me tell you, that is part of the beauty of the blood of Christ. Even as the recent snowfall, court reminded us, what do we look out? That's how Christ washes us white as snow. Is that a far different picture than the image we have in our head as we look at those sins that are entangling us? Something to consider. Now, as we look at this, one of the next points here is keeping our eyes fixed. You watch those marathon runners. Are they doing this? Oh, wow, are you building? They're not looking at the buildings, they're not looking at anything else. What are they focused on? Straight ahead, right? That's our job, is to keep our eyes focused. In fact, our eyes fixed, as it were, on the one who died and sat. Why? Because of the joy before him. He knew what it was going to be to bring salvation to others. And that was a joy worth the shame, the scorn, the curse of the cross, the suffering. The joy before him. He kept his eyes fixed and he set an example for us to do the same. Now, That perspective is sometimes difficult when we're on a long car trip, isn't it? And the kids are bothering us. Somebody's annoying us. neighbor next door is rattling, bumping, 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 doing stuff. (sighs) Again, this same employee, employer, right? Siblings causing us (sighs) problems. And what happens? We get Distracted. Instead of keeping our eyes focused on what we're supposed to be focusing on, which is Christ. Because if we keep our eyes focused, what happens to how we handle things? Changes, doesn't it? There's a purpose. There's a point into what we're doing. In having a purpose and a point, let me tell you something. The, the, The fact that a goal exists for us at all changes dramatically how we are compared to the rest of the world. For a lot of the world, like, well, what? Eat, drink, and be merry, right? Come on, what's it really matter? Just live life, enjoy it. Oh, get the new car, get the, right? But when you've got a goal, and you start living a life based on that, it motivates us in ways that the world does not understand. In fact, when we are worn down, but not worn out, we get pushed out, pushed down, pushed aside, past their breaking point, And they wonder why they can't shame us or buy us money, power, things. And they get frustrated with us. Well, I don't get this. Why are you doing this? And you get up and you start helping someone. And they're going, it's because your focus is not down here. Our focus is not in here. Our focus is in him. And we keep that in perspective, even as Christ sets the example. We are very different than the rich man who lays in his bed saying, oh, I need to build bigger barns, right? And God says, you fool, tonight your very soul will be demanded of you. Proverbs 13.22 says this, and the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Right? Right? Very simple. He tells us what what's going to happen to those around us. If you get focused on mammon, if you get focused on things around here, it's going to be short-lived. Instead, in perfecting faith, he exemplified it. He showed it. He lived it. Died that faith and rose again. And that is the perfecting of the faith. He showed us how to do it. He set the example. Now, Keeping that in mind on how to, as it were, persevere, right, run the race. I want to go from these first three verses in chapter 12. I've previously spoken on God's discipline, our our sonship or daughtership, as it were. Sometimes it's unpleasant but necessary to have discipline invoked. But we learn respect also from that. It makes us better people. And I actually, Court's uh, article in the uh, bulletin, read that. Excellent example of what it means to have discipline brought in our lives sometimes. Sandpaper of life. Maturing, we understand something here. There's a, a great line I always heard from uh, from Mark Twain. I always really appreciated this, and it's this: says, "When I was a boy of fourteen, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand him to have the old man around. But when I got to be twenty-one, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. Isn't that interesting? I thought it was a great insight from Mark Twain. As we mature, we look at the discipline differently, and we should. So." it's good for us to review and i encourage you to meditate on verses four through 11, but I really want to move down to the last part of it, which is the other bookend. If we look at our first part with the perseverance, and then we look at this piece with encouragement and healing in verses 12 and 13, which say, therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. A lot of times we kind of move past these two verses. It's like, okay, yeah, 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 okay, got it. Discipline, and we go on, right? I really want to unpack this a little bit, because following this discussion of discipline, um, I want to make a point, and this is something, I'm sure anybody with children has done this, telling their brothers and sisters, you're not the parent. You're not the discipliner of your brother or sister, are you? Who's the discipliner? Mom and dad, right? That's part of what we need to remember with this, because God does the discipline. What he tells us as siblings is what? What's he tell us as siblings? We're to be out there doing encouragement. Encourage one another and build up one another. Encourage the faint-hearted. Encourage the young women to love their husbands. Encourage one another day after day. Encourage them all with a resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. There's an article in Whatsoever Things that says this, and it's about encouragement. I'm going to read this to you here. I found it very interesting. It says, What I need most, wrote Emerson, is something to make me do what I can. One of the most rewarding experiences you can ever have is to be that something For someone, to be the catalyst that dispels inertia and brings out the best in someone you know, the thing that brings out the best in people is encouragement. And you, no matter what your circumstances, can provide those around you with this precious morale plasma. Think encouraging thoughts, speak encouraging words, and most important of all, adopt an air of confident expectancy toward those you are trying to help. Be genuinely interested. Let your attitude be more eloquent than your words. In this way, you can be, in truth, a best friend. There is no happiness quite comparable to the happiness you can earn in this way. Discipline from God is in 4 through 11. Discipline from the church is six verses back in Matthew 18. And even there, we're to show the sin to our brother or sister, not rub their noses in it. We're to be there as an encouragement, to encourage them out of messing with that tar. Proverbs 18.9 says this, A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a citadel. Why do I bring that up now? Because of this. There are many Christians who have been wounded in churches. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. A contention, and contentions are like the bars of a citadel. Sometimes Christians are wounded accidentally, and sadly, sometimes they're wounded willfully. Old wounds can lead to disability or worse in the Christian life. Now, it's hard to run the race with perseverance when others, when other runners are out there actually trying to hurt you, isn't it? That's more like a Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome kind of situation, right? Everybody's attacking each other on the race rather than the runners running, maybe even gaining encouragement from those around them. And I say that especially... To husbands and wives. Wow, didn't think that would be hard. (laughs) I say this to husbands and wives especially. Because maybe a few moments of quiet reflection are appropriate. And some honest, heartfelt concerns and comments to our spouses. I know I do my fair share of hurting. tell you, also flowers and chocolate and candy and jewelry don't hurt either. Once they're followed up with an honest, heartfelt apology. But if we are to run the race, we need to remember that our brothers and sisters and our spouses are there to run as well. This also applies to parents and children whether it's our parents or our children we are to keep this in mind there's a God-ordained discipline and yes there's an ordained discipline for parents to children but after that I encourage I urge you to encourage and use prayer it is hard to run the race with perseverance if we are adding on hindrances or if we are holding them back. We should not be the ones wounding. We should be the ones healing. Keep those two verses in your mind and consider this. Matthew 26, 41 says, Keep watching and praying that you may not enter in temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Proverbs four twenty six says this, Watch the path of your feet, and all your ways will be established. This is God's way of saying, watch where you're going. Watch what you're doing. Right? We often say, be careful little eyes, be careful little feet, be careful little hands. Remember that song from Sunday school? There's an importance to it that brings true in the rest of our lives. Always telling kids, watch where they're going, CJ, watch where you're going. Thump, thump, thump. I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah, you saw him one time he wasn't okay. He came in on the crutches. But when you get older, those little scrapes and bumps, now we start talking about broken hips, right? We start talking about it. But I can't take that fall. We watch little toddlers run and boom, they fall and then they get up, boom. It's like, we can't do that. Spiritually, I would suggest you the same. It's all the more reason as you become more mature as a Christian to watch where you're going. I'm reminded of the sight of... You've probably seen this in the commercial of the woman with lung cancer, and she's smoking through her tube in her throat because she won't give up the sin that has entangled her. We either aid somebody along to continue in their sin or we help them and encourage them and help them to heal. Wound care. Let's address this for what it is, okay? If we're addressing the wound and getting rid of the entangling sin, that's not always a pleasant time, but it's a time of honesty where we're going to sit down. If somebody fell on the ground and was laying there bleeding, would you go, get up, come on, put a band in, let's go. We wouldn't be doing that, would we? That changed our whole attitude. And that's something we need to bear in mind. As brothers and sisters on a spiritual level, when we see somebody who's down and wounded, how do we approach that? There are entangling sins out there. There's pornography, there's drunkenness, there's drugs, gossiping, anger, laziness. When we come together, we can work on those kind of things. Fellowship is a good way to do that, to overcome some of those entangling sins. One of the easiest ways to be a Christian is to be around other Christians. When you do have to go out from on the battlefield, you're stronger and more ready for it. Now, triage, as it were, is only part of it when we go in and actually meet with a brother or sister who's in sin. There's also a part of avoiding future problems. Therapy. And one of them is teaching about hedges. How many of you guys have ever pushed through a hedgerow? A lot of times there's prickers in those hedgerows. There's poison ivy hidden in there, right? There's a lot of problems within a hedgerow. What's the hedgerow there for? It's protection, right? It's to keep you out. I was just describing to somebody the other day. I said, good fences make good neighbors, right? Why? Everybody's really clear where the definition is. We don't go past that. Sitting down with our brothers and sisters and saying, if you're having trouble with this sin, you need to put a hedge here, both physically by not going to this place, and spiritually as well. Spiritual prayer, or I should say spiritually, when we pray for a hedge, hedge of protection around someone, I encourage you to look into that. Court, I'm giving you more questions coming up soon. If somebody didn't read, read through channel or chapter 11 and didn't have three or four questions right off the bat for court, you weren't paying attention. All I can say. But when we start talking about prayer, not just prayer for somebody, but praying for protection for them. As brothers and sisters, we should be doing that. Praying a hedge of protection around someone. Especially when we know that that is their wounded area. Lifting them up. Now, I want to put this in a context for you. How many people here go bowling? You've been bowling? Yeah, okay. Okay. You ever seen the gutter blockers? You ever seen those come out? First time I saw those come out, I'm like, that is the coolest thing because you can throw the ball down there, it hits the gutter blocker. It doesn't go in the gutter. It comes right back in the lane. That's what we do for each other when we pray. Instead of taking our shot that day and off the gutter. I blew the day, right? How many times we get to the end of the day and thought, I blew that opportunity, I blew that chance. When we pray for each other and put those spiritual hedges in place, it's like putting those gutter blockers out there. That's not to say that you can't jump the ball into another lane because you can willfully go outside of it. But when you're trying to follow along God's will and you've got people praying for your protection, there are times that it's like the gutter blocker. You ever see the kids when they bowl like that? They're so excited it bowls down and hits both sides right and then it goes down and hits the knocks pins over and they're like, yeah, and you're thinking... Okay, yeah. (laughs) But you know what? I'll take those games and those points every day. There's enough hard issues out there. There's enough fights and battles out there. Let's take the easy ones when we can. And we can help each other do that by praying for protections for them. That may mean changing habits or friends, sometimes employment. But that's what the hedges do is they keep us from going in the gutter. Now, I encourage you, one of the first things is, in order to get the protection, you got to ask for it. And that means going to a brother or sister and confessing it and asking. And let me just tell you something, newsflash, God already knows. So coming to our brothers and sisters, that's how we actually get the help. Because he already knows. How many times the parents, you know they've already done whatever they've done wrong, haven't they? Sometimes you're waiting for him to come in and confess. God the Father already knows every time. Let's come to our brothers and sisters, ask for help. Because that's what he's put us here for, is to help one another. That's what he's given these verses for. That's what he's given the Hall of Faith for. To encourage us to run this race with perseverance.